Welcome back to Millennial Money. We got ourselves a cup of bankroll coffee here, so we're going to be real busy talking about crypto and other things. I don't know why I sound like the guy from Family Guy. Kevin, <laughs> how do you like how do you like your leap coffee from bankrollcoffee.com? I love it. It's strong and that's what I need. <laughs> that's how I get so much done. Nice. How's your campaign by the way? We haven't talked it's about It's fun, that. man. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. It's like uh, I've I've gotten a whole lot better at doing interviews because i think i'm at like 200 or something now so now uh like i go on fox national tomorrow morning tentatively i got a big thing with fox next week which is insane like it's so cool uh but um and it's always fox for some reason like CNBC, msnbc like yeah. they don't care about me which is weird because whatever but um yeah man like i think i've just chilled out a little bit in terms of how stressed i used to get in front of the interviews because originally it was always like, oh, well, we're going to do this. And it felt very rigid. It, and now I'm just more like, ah, this is how I feel. <laughs> it's great. I like That's it. Good. I, it yeah. Have you noticed I, a, a, a correlation to subscribers or anything? Like, have, has your YouTube channel been growing, appearing on all these news channels? No. No. Oh, what? No. Absolutely not. No. If anything, it's growing slower uh, because politics is polarizing. So now you'll get all the comments on, on people are like, oh, you have a vaccine card unsubscribed <laughs> it's like look i'm not like i'm not even gonna go down this rabbit hole but you know what i mean it's just it's just you say one thing and you're gonna piss off someone you can't win uh but honestly that's also the way politics has gone these days in america it's like your the strategy to win in politics is literally to piss off 49 percent of people as hard as you can to make your 51% loyalist do everything for you. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Do you know yeah, how much? That's why you don't have moderate. You know, there's no one in the middle. Why is there no one in the middle? Because like, like the middle has the biggest base, right? There are the most people in the middle, but you don't excite people being in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I would say the middle cares the least. Are they the also most? True. I, I feel like the, the middle isn't as active. They're yeah. the ones very just like, ah, you know, whatever happens, happens. It doesn't concern me, whatever. It's yeah. it's the either side. There's this few there's few on the either side. Uh, That's a really that, good point. I you saw know, your I, I saw your video right. with Gavin Newsom. <laughs> well, he showed up in uh, Culver City. Yeah, yeah, got kicked out. Well, not kicked out, banned from going in. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what happened was I went to and I've gone to many of his events before, and I just stand outside and I talk to reporters because sure. you know he's inside saying uh, we're gonna defeat this Republican recall. And the reporters love it because then they just turn the camera to me and they're like, the leading Democrats right there. <laughs> so they love it. Uh, so like we, we went into one of his events in San Francisco and I'm just super nice. Like you can't even say I did anything wrong because I just stand there and smile. <laughs> like they, they, it's not like they can kick you out because you're not doing anything wrong. So anyway, we've peacefully gone to many of his events. And talk to reporters outside, which they get peeved about because they're like, he's stealing our reporters, <laughs> you know? Oh, well, that's that's part of the game. But anyway, uh, so we went to the Culver City one. I signed up. I had a ticket, my mask. I had everything. They wanted masks and, and negative COVID tests for an outdoor rally. Like, anyway, they wanted all this stuff. I followed all the rules. I show up. And immediately when I get out of the car and I walk up to this line of 30 people, three staff members come up and they're like, Oh, sir, we've we've stopped letting people in. And I look at the gate and there's like an army of people flowing into the event. They would not say you're not allowed in 
because that would be discrimination because it's illegal to politically discriminate. It's oh no, we're full, we're full. So I go show my card at the at the yeah. gate, uh, and uh, later, like twenty minutes later, they're letting in another group of people. So I tried to go in, and they're like, oh nope, sorry, we're full. Close the gate. It's sad. It's so Kevin, ridiculous. Kevin, two questions. One, did you did you show up with cameras like the YouTube cameras? No. Nothing, just nothing, just me. In fact, uh, I only went with one person and he was parking the car. So it's literally just me in line, just standing there waiting. And all of a sudden three people come up, yeah. no cameras, no production, nothing. What would they have said though, if you showed up early enough, like earlier, it sounds like you arrived towards the tail end of it. I mean, what would their excuse have been had you been waiting in line in the middle of the uh, line? You know, I'm sure they would have done the same thing. They would have come up with some other excuse. Who knows? Uh, you know, we thought like, oh, should you go incognito? And it's like, no, we're not going to lie. We're not going to yeah. change my name. We're not going to lie. We're going to go as me. And if if they block us, well, shame on them. Have you so, been have you, have you been paying attention to much of the odds, Kevin? Because I saw I think it was CNBC. I went on today or yesterday and they had they uh, like an update on the odds for the, the election. Yeah, it, look, Larry Elder, I think, has been a blessing for Gavin Newsom because whether Larry Elder is extreme or not, Gavin Newsom is painting him as somebody who stands to the right of Donald Trump, which in California, if you're to the right of Donald Trump, nobody wants you uh, in California. Like, that's just the way California is. Obviously, we know California is super left. Uh, but anyway, so whether Larry Elder is or isn't doesn't matter. What's interesting is if you look at the polling, the odds of the recall happening, the odds of Gavin Newsom getting kicked out. Look at the odds. The odds were getting very, very high that he was going to get kicked out when the only people running against him were moderates. Caitlyn Jenner, Cox, Kylie, Faulkner, and me. All people with mostly moderate views, like fix homeless Stop having people dying on the streets. Build more homes. Like, it's not that hard. Like, do, bring some common sense, right? As soon as Larry Elder got in and they branded him as the anti-vax campaign, the Trump campaign of California, the Trump 2024 takeover of California, as soon as they did that, the odds of the recall happening dramatically shifted uh, mm -hmm. against them actually happening. So so they've Larry Elder has been a blessing to Newsom. Is there anything more you feel like you guys can do or is it pretty much too late now? Is it just going to no, be? I mean, it's, it's every day. It's every day. It's you still campaign. You push. It's interviews. It's it's uh, advertising videos, whatever. I will say, and this is back to what Andre was saying. Every time I do a video about uh, the election on my channel, I lose subscribers on those videos. Wow. It's crazy. And it's, it's not because people disagree with what I'm saying. It's just because they click on it and then it's like. This isn't about stocks or real estate or crypto. See ya. You know, it's a, and right. in fairness, like not everybody who watches my channel cares about California. So, and financially, how much do you think you've spent so far on the campaign? Do you have like a running tally? Uh, yeah, it's somewhere around uh, the treasurer updates this like every, I think it's every quarter. Uh, so we're probably all like with my contributions in our dish, we're probably somewhere like seven, eight hundred K and about half of that donations. Wow. Okay. Nope. Do you, what, would, what would you say is the biggest net benefit of having done what you've done with this whole election? Well, uh, obviously, hope I win. Uh, if I don't win now, then hopefully it's a slingshot for future elections. I think that that helps because we want that moderate for, for California. But uh, personally, it's been very eye opening. I almost think and we were just having conversation about this. It's almost fascinating to think about how much potentially 
the media in our country, and this sounds tinfoil hat-ish, but it's just kind of how my perspective has changed, though. It's almost shocking how potentially the media actually controls politics in our country. Just think about it. Trump got all this coverage in 2016. And again, he did that 49 thing, like piss off 49% of people, but get like 51% loyalists, right? And because of these crazy things that he could say, uh, you know, lock her up or this, that, or whatever, that always got attention. All his controversies and all that attention, that just like broils up the base, right? You're a moderate, like, oh yeah, we're going to streamline government and reduce taxes. Fox, Tucker Carlson doesn't give a crap about that. Anderson Cooper don't give a crap about that. They want scandal, fireworks. And because of that, it, it, because the media covers that, because it's kind of clickbaitish, right? It gets views. We end up with more extreme politicians in our country, more extreme and polarizing views. We well, have to think, too, not only are they getting views, they're making more money. And yep. At the end of the day, advertisers are the yep. ones paying for it. So really, if it all boils down to which uh, topics are going to get the most clicks for advertisers. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, in sense, some sense, it's just like YouTube. Look, yeah. if, if I do a video uh, about... You know, I don't, I, gosh, I don't know. Uh, what's, what's a generic video? Oh, oh I know. Uh, how, how to get, how to buy real estate in your 401k. Okay. That's going to get like 500 views on my channel. It'll be very useful, but it's going to get so few views. Right. Whereas, oh my gosh, what Kathy Wood just said, the much more interesting to people. I think it's similar for Fox and CNN. Do they want somebody going, well, here's a, here's a common sense thing. And people are like, wow. That was commonsensical, right? <laughs> Versus the yeah. emotion you get out of Donald Trump saying he grabbed her by the, you know, whatever, something like yeah. that. It's, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, yeah. man. What gets people talking more? <laughs> so, so how that, do we apply those really techniques to eyes. this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but look, it's that's the thing is uh, in some sense, you have to almost sort of pick like, what kind of YouTube channel do you want to be versus even the same thing? What kind of uh, candidate do you want to be? Do you want to be that polarizing extreme screamer? It's kind of like there are those YouTube channels that are like, there's always a crash coming. And, and I'm not just saying this in like the titles, because sometimes, you know, we use those titles. And, uh, but but then in the video, we're like, hey, we, we're still investing. We're doing this, or whatever. But there are these channels that are just throughout the entire video, like fear monger channels, yeah. right? They have taken that point of view. They are the refuge for that loud per percentage of viewers who are like, that's right, the, the, the Great Reset's coming, you know? They're providing for that sort of audience. Uh, and so that's why I think in politics, you almost have to do that as well. You just have to go extreme so, and loud. And, and it's sad because it shouldn't be that way. So let's say that, uh, you know, this slingshots you to run again. Would yeah. you try to be more polarizing this this next time? Possibly. Uh, we'd have to figure that out because I actually really like what you said. Uh, and, and I'm going to draw this this little picture here uh, because it makes a lot of sense. So I just drew this here. Look at this. So the green is is where I think people's views are, right? Sort of most people have moderate views. But along with what Graham says the people who are the most active campaigners and, and the voters and the protesters and the loudest, they're on the extreme far left and far right. And these are the fireworks right here that the media pays attention to. Here's your CNN. Here's your Fox. 
And so really, you're not getting the representation of the middle in your media. And so that's why you end up with polarizing candidates. That's why over here you've got Gavin. And that's why over here you've got Elder. It's just like Biden, Trump, or Hillary, Trump, right? Super polarizing. And then you have people more like, you know, Andrew Yang, right? Who's closer to the middle gets way less coverage because it's, it's not as polarizing. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think also the, the, those connections um, matter. You know, I, I think it's really hard to make it without those political connections, the connections with, um, you know, big donors. I think that's that's important. I think, uh, you know, it's not impossible to win without that, but it, it, it plays a factor. And I'm sure, you know, the, the Newsom campaign, I would assume, is uh exponentially more uh money to spend on advertising than you guys uh a hundred times a hundred hundred times if i spend 500 grand he's got 50 million and see the thing is i i can blow five i can blow five million dollars i could grow blow 10 percent going no 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 this is not a republican recall vote for the moderate because you know obviously dressed up as a better message right yeah. He can blow fifty million going. Stop the anti-vax Republican takeover. <laughs> it's just it's ten times more visible because they got all this money. You know now they're gonna get Biden to come out to campaign for him. The guy's basically begging Biden to come campaign for him, which uh, I don't know how much that's actually gonna help him after the Afghanistan thing. But whatever. Right. But what's interesting is you have a platform, right? You have a voice, which is kind of interesting because you can be one of those candidates that says crazy things out there in the public. And on your YouTube channel, be like, by the way, this is what I actually meant. The only, <laughs> the only problem with that, though, is I could see how that platform could very well be taken away if that message is not aligned with perhaps Google's view. Um, if that, so that's a huge risk that you'd be that you'd be taking. That's a good point. You know, uh, Google was actually I was supposed to do a Google sponsorship like three months ago, and then it got to like the final thing of like signing contract or whatever. They're like. Oh, uh, by the way, you're a candidate. Uh, sorry, we, we can't do the partnership. And so they, they bagged it like last minute. Uh, I, so, I get that. I get that they don't want to endorse a political candidate. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, they I, donate $7 million well, to Gavin Newsom. And then a few days later, get a tens of millions of dollar no bid contract from the state of California. No free market competition. It's it's rigged, man. <laughs> like, look, this, this video is not going to get come across. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I never want to come across as tinfoil hat uh, it, it, because I've, I have I always have so much faith, like faith in the judicial system or faith that people can vote what they actually want. But the more I've gone through this process, the more I'm like, my gosh, like the, it's just so much stands in the way of a middle common sense voice. You have to pick an extreme. Kevin, you know what? You know what, Californian, I would love to see you debate uh, on how to fix California would be Ben Shapiro. Oh, I'd love that. Yo, yeah. that would be amazing. I, you know, be Ben awesome. Shapiro, I, I don't think anybody can beat Ben Shapiro in a debate. I'm just going to be straight up and I'm not a Republican or anything, but I, I don't think that man is, I don't think he, I don't think you can beat him. I'll just be honest, like straight up, like there's no way you can beat Ben Shapiro. I don't know if you guys have seen his videos. He just decimates people. I've never seen him lose a debate ever. I've seen like, yeah. <laughs> uh, what if they're like, like they just agree Neil, on everything? It was Neil deGrasse Tyson who was uh, he's a he's a phenomenal speaker. I think him and Ben, I, I listened to them them chat a while ago. It was fantastic. Huh. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I love watching that guy, man. Um, I'm sure everybody else does because all those videos, man, they get like millions of views, like, you know, of him, you know, debating with somebody. But that would be fun. I, I would love to see you, you and Ben. I, I feel like you guys wouldn't be a super polarizing debate, though, actually, because I feel like he's, uh, although he's on the right, I feel like he's not super over there. And um, I feel like you're kind of more toward the middle as well. So I think it would be actually a very educational debate, but I don't think it would be um, crazy or like, oh, man, they're really going at it or something like that. So, yeah, I don't yeah. think so either. I, I think, uh, but, you know, see, what's crazy is even you do that, and this is just how, how petty it is, you'll then get uh, the Sacramento Bee and the LA Times or whatever writing articles going – Here's Kevin associating with Ben Shapiro, who spreads right-wing conspiracy theories. You know, and it's like, what, you just, you can't have a conversation with somebody because they're part of a different, you know, uh, you know, party? Like, really? We should just echo chamber down? That's, that's the big danger, is the media will talk to you for a half an hour in an interview. And I've done hundreds of these. They'll talk to you for half an hour. And they'll take the crappiest thing you said, and that's your label. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Throw it out of context. Frustrating. Yeah. Well, because it, it's their headline, yeah. you know, and then and then they leave people with a misimpression or what. It's stupid. Yeah. Well, how about this, guys? Uh, speaking of headlines, we got to talk about what happened with crypto. Mm. So, who bought the dip? Because I gotta say, I'm really proud of this. I just like every morning I just I happen to go and like just check crypto prices. It's it's a habit. Woke up this morning, kind of did my thing, checked prices, and I saw Bitcoin at 42. And I was like, what is 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 something happened? Like, did I did I miss something in the last like week? Like, did I think it was 50 or something? And I went on Coinbase and it was dropping, like literally dropping, and it kind of bottomed out, started to go to 53. So I immediately placed an order to buy and I got locked in at like 43.9 ish. And uh, I bought Ethereum at like 31.50, 32, like give or take. Nice. Uh, and then I saw Kevin, then I saw you posted the live stream having difficulty. And then of course, like, you know, within like 30 minutes, I see that little banner come across the top. I think it's just like once people realize the price is down, it started getting attention. And then bye, bye, bye. rushed in, it was just locked. <laughs> I You're just like, want to know why you woke up at 8.06. No, I was doing, I was up to seven. I just do other things and kind of like, you know, pass the time like BTC price. Just to, yeah, yeah. Just it comes out. I'm like, what? No, that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, um, I just dropped Jack off at school and I got in the car and, and I look and I'm like, Cardano 212? What? <laughs> I had like the same reaction. Uh, I got an order. I yeah, ended I up it. buying, I bought Ethereum. Uh, and a Cardano and HUD eight. I bought all of them uh, during the dip, but um, I ended up buying Ethereum on Robinhood because nothing else would function. Uh, Coinbase was down. Everything was down, uh, and uh, it, and and then people got mad at me like, "How could you support Robinhood? How dare you, Kevin?" <laughs> uh, hey, Robinhood is the cheapest crypto prices, right? So at least there's that. <laughs> there's that, and look, I mean, like. I personally don't care about using Ethereum to go buy crap. The last thing I want to do is encourage me to go buy more crap. Have you seen the junk in this room here? <laughs> okay. Like the last thing I need is more reason to spend my, my, my assets. So uh, I, I don't really care. I mean, some people, like you say, pricing's good. You can't transfer it. You have to sell and you have to pay taxes. You want to move it. 
whatever. I just want to make money. <laughs> mm. So what was the reason? Why did it drop? My theory is that just people I think are looking too into it. It's just, it's the El Salvador, right? That's the El Salvador news. So it's just buy the rumor, sell the news type of thing. I think it was just as simple as that. As soon as that got announced, people were like, cool, sell. Prices dipped, whales sold, people bought back in. That's I think it's as simple as that was. Yeah. Um, I didn't buy anything, but I did transfer $750,000 worth into a different platform from BlockFi. Because I was using BlockFi for my, for my interest. Um, and yeah, I went to Voyager. So I'm excited about that. Wow. Yeah, You're I'm super excited about five. that. I did, yeah. It's just, uh, I did not know this, but there's something called SEC Rule 611. I was talking to Graham earlier uh, yesterday about this. And uh, this, this rule apparently is supposed to guarantee that brokers fulfill trades at the best price possible for their clients. So like Robinhood's a broker, whereas Coinbase and Gemini, those are the exchanges. Exchanges are like the direct marketplaces that things are bought and sold. Brokers are the middlemen, like real estate brokers, stock brokers. And the question I had is, why do we need a broker in today's day and age if they're just the middlemen? And they have different benefits like FDIC insurance, right? $250,000 of cash is protected. Um, but there's another benefit that Voyager has that I didn't know about, which was SEC Rule 611, which on different brokers, what brokers do is they partner up with one exchange. So for example, like Robinhood, which is a broker, might partner up with Citadel, which is a market maker. And that's kind of like their exclusive go-to partner. Well, that creates a relationship for them that isn't necessarily beneficial to us as the customer because they don't get the best prices on stocks, perhaps because they only have one exclusive partner. What Voyager does is it sources and is, and is connected to multiple exchanges in the crypto space. And so, for example, if you place an order to buy one Bitcoin on Voyager, it could split your order into different marketplaces. So it might say, hey, I'm going to get Jeremy 0.5 Bitcoin on Coinbase. I might get him 0.4 on Gemini and 0.1 somewhere else. And that's kind of Voyager's way of, of recreating and applying this SEC Rule 611, which obviously doesn't apply to crypto because crypto is not regulated. I don't know if that made any sense. Did, did that make sense all of it? <laughs> it does. I mean, basically what you're saying is Voyager makes this claim that they will shop around to see if they can get you better pricing on these different exchanges it's, for crypto, which correct. gives them maybe more potential liquidity access because they, you know, sometimes there are liquidity crises at certain exchanges, especially in crypto, especially with smaller coins when you have less available. So it makes sense how much, you know, how much more than a sales pitch that is. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's a great, great question. So I, I'm, I'm happy that they don't do this manually. They do this mm -hmm. through, I guess it's something called SOR, uh, which I totally forget what the acronym stands for. But it's some kind of smart order algorithm trading. So there's an algorithm that does this automatically. So it's not like somebody on their team's like reviewing everything. Right. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. But you It'd know, be, you know what would be interesting is if you could find like I wonder if you could go into the financials and find out uh, how much they actually then sent to different companies. You know, how many like which right. which exchange did they use like one exchange ninety five percent of the time, and then it's right. kind of like really right, <laughs> you right. know yeah that's a yeah those are great points i don't know i they're not very transparent about stuff like that but i'd love to know <laughs> but I, I guess the premise is good so we'll find out if it works but either way the interest what, what rate i want to know really is what 
What, like what, why? So you're not buying the coins there, right? Because it's still they have, they charge you an expensive fee. Don't you buy it on Coinbase Pro or whatever, and then transfer? No, it's a, it's a commission free brokerage. But the pricing's a ripoff, isn't it? It's like it was like what BlockFi was doing, where they add like three hundred dollars or what? I don't know. It was like the spread was insane. Yeah, that's what I'm reading. I'm, re I'm reading the comments here on the side, and uh, yeah, big complaint is the spread. Mm, they have a bid, uh, big bid ask spread. Either way, I, I don't buy my crypto on those exchanges. I haven't tried it on Voyager. My my main thing that I love about it is is that they've locked their rates for a whole year for this whole 2021 at really great rates. So I remember when I deposited in the BlockFi, their rates were in the mid 5% for Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Voyager has no limit to how much you could earn interest on your deposits. You have a minimum deposit of like you know 0.01 Bitcoin. Yeah. But Here's, here's the thing that I have seen throughout every single savings account out there. I get that it's locked in for the rest of the year. We're in September. Mm -hmm. uh, we really only have a few months left of the year. I bet, give, given like the first, second week of January, they're going to lower those rates down and be competitive with pretty much everybody else. That, yeah, that's that, that could be true. No, that's yeah. that's true. But if I could get an extra, what, what is it, three, four months of five or six percent, that's that's worth it. That's something. That's not nothing. Yeah. I can always transfer back to wherever I want. Yes. Um, but you know, that's easy. Either way, actually, rates shouldn't go down, but that depends on the prices, right? So rates should be consistent with price action. If if people are FOMOing into Bitcoin, then interest rates should be high. But assuming January comes and the price crashes, then yeah, our interest rates are going to go down too. Because nobody well, wants to borrow when when prices are down. Everybody wants to borrow when things are exciting, right? There's FOMO out there. Hey, that's a that's a big statement you you said there, Andre. I don't think we could just brush past that. You said uh, when January comes and price cra crashes, uh, what, what are you talking about? What are you referring no, to? No, 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 no. I, I just uh, <laughs> see this is CNN taking me out of context. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I didn't say it's going to crash. I'm just saying okay. if it crashes, then yeah, we're, we're going to have substantially lower interest rates, which is so strange because BlockFi did an article. They, they released a, a study where it shows how prices are supposed to be kind of in line with interest rates. And yet, even though Bitcoin has gone up, their rates have stayed flat and have decreased, which doesn't make any sense. And it actually does, though, but like if I had to speculate why that is, it's because BlockFi is getting a lot of regulatory pressure from at least four states that I know of. They sent them a cease and desist letter saying that, hey, th those customers in those states can't can't operate. They can't be your customers. So <laughs> All right, Andre, I hate to go back on this, but why did you say January specifically? Is there is there anything going on in January or, or did you just happen to throw that month out? I just got to know. <laughs> I mean, Usually with crypto, yeah, things cool off, um, you know, December, January, really. That's when things really Okay, uh, well, th this is where I want to take this. Do you think if, if there is this assumption that, um, let's say there's a 70% chance uh, people feel like there could be a big sell-off in December, January of crypto, do you think it's possible now that more and more people are figuring out, they're, they're figuring, hey, let me, get, let, me, let me maybe get out in September, October, November, um, prior to when things are supposed to go down, then maybe they don't go down, then maybe they go up. I'm just thinking like some, everybody tries to game the system. Um, so I'm just Yeah, thinking. it's that, that self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where it's like, oh, it's gonna go down, I'm gonna pull out before everybody else does. That mm -hmm. could definitely happen, but I just feel like the only difference this time around, and it's always like, but it's different this time. But this time it kind of is different because we, like the cat is out of the bag and we have so many uh, hedge funds and so many major players are looking to buy that dip 
So if that does happen, I could see it happening for just like a small brief like week or two. Yeah, we could dip and then just explode to the upside. I have no idea what's going to happen this time around just because there's so many more people and so much more money now and people are more knowledgeable about it. So I don't know. Andre, what are your thoughts on Celsius? Celsius is awesome. That was the other one that I want to I transferred some money over to that I'm playing with right now. I like Celsius a lot too, but I think they have a cap on the maximum right now. Uh, well, no, it's not a cap. It's just if you have more than, I think it's more than a Bitcoin, then it's 3% instead of 5%. Yeah. See, I, yeah. I like my, my Voyager rates. They're like 5.6%. But who's to say these aren't all going to go down in a few months? They can. They can. But, you know, there's no, it's so easy to move your coins over. It's not, it's not that hard to move your coins over to another platform that I get so every single time I like I move something for those like 30 minutes it takes I am yeah just so so pro tip here's how I did it this morning so I took Corey's phone I took a picture of my QR code on uh, Voyager through her phone so it's like her phone now has a picture of my QR code right yeah. and then I'm on my phone I go to BlockFi and I take a picture of my QR code from my phone to her phone so it's like I'm always using QR codes I don't ever want to type anything in or copy and paste anything because that way if anything does go wrong i feel like i have some evidence and some proof that like hey i did this right so if anything screwed up like that's not on me it's just like a liability thing so i, I would do it that way got it yeah. all right that's interesting yeah but celsius is awesome that el salvador though caused this drop i mean just to go back a little bit it i mean el salvador did happen today but it what's weird is that news was already out early this morning, like when the market opened, 6.30 or whatever. We already knew, like the El Salvador news had already been out for a bit. And uh, and we knew this day was coming. What's so weird, though, is it was really like kind of right when California's business day started. Almost makes you wonder. It's like what institution woke up at 8 a.m. On, 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 you know, this morning? Because look at this. So here's just, uh, here's Weeble. And... The, the timing is crazy. This was the big crash. It was 8.06 to 8.11. That's it. These five minutes right here, that was the big disaster. And then we kind of channeled uh, since then for the rest of the day. We've literally just had algorithms dancing yeah. within this channel all day long. Just buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. Vacillating there, right? Taking pennies of profits or whatever over thousands of times. But anyway, this drop right here. I just think it, there, there was something with liquidation, like maybe a whale came in and sold, and then you had a bunch of liquidations, which we did see liquidations. Why this whale sold or who they sold, I don't even know if it matters. To me, it almost kind of makes me wonder, look at how much institutional control there is to just go hit the sell button, dump a ton of crypto, force liquidations, wait for those liquidations, boom, buy back, all within five minutes, and, and somebody just raked in millions of dollars, you know? Right. How much do you think it would take, though? How many billions do you think that you to, to influence the market to that degree? Yeah, let's see if we can get volume on that. Like, if, if we go to coin market cap, I think we could probably see the volume and just see like what the spike yeah, was at that because time. Because you're right, it does seem like that liquidation caused the market to drop, which caused a lot of these to be called causing the price to drop further. And that was the, that's the leverage that we've seen in the market. Yeah. 
Graham, are, are you not scared at all that Bitcoin could crash 80% and never no. recover? No, I'm not. Okay. No, no, because right now I'm like, it's like three and a half percent of my portfolio. Maybe like it's, it's under 4%. I mean, mm. it would suck, but I, I, yeah. I am different either way. Yeah. So you, you think it's super unrealistic to even like think that could happen. Yeah. I think at this, at, at this point, there's so much institutional money uh, involved that I think if we saw a drop like we did today, like, like you saw, I mean, instantly people were buying that back up and it's, it's kind of reached an equilibrium right now, but I don't doubt as it drops, more people will buy in at this point. Uh, and even if it does drop 80, 90%, so be it. I will say if there is an 80 or 90%, that's going to scare off a lot of those retail investors that got in this year. Um, uh, yeah, that would be a massive drop off. That would scare off a lot of people. So Yeah, because I mean, if, if, we, if we're talking about, let, let's just say an 80% drop, are we even back to where Bitcoin was um, just 18, 24 months ago? When it was see, at well, 3 day 5K? In theory, it shouldn't drop below the previous high, which was 20,000. So if it does drop, it should not drop below 20,000. Check this mm. out. Here's um, the volume. So you, you uh, earlier in the day, you were sitting around like in the early morning hours, you're sitting around like 100 Bitcoin being transacted at a time, which what is that like $5 million or something like that? Okay, big deal. But right here, right before, right before the market opened up, or I'm sorry, after the market was open for this was 8 a.m right yeah so the market was open for an hour and a half or whatever right before you had transactions or volume anywhere a spike up to about a thousand coins uh you the average here is probably four or five hundred you went over here to sell pressure of 1800 all of a sudden so almost triple the average that's one minute one minute 1800 next minute 1100 so it's not just the first minute uh right here which certainly is a red bar but it's the next minute, another almost 1,200, another 1,400. So in, in the span, uh, and then another 1.2, uh, you know, K right here. So in the span of four minutes, uh, you had probably, you know, what is that? Uh, 6,700. 6,700, where that's 10x the volume you would have probably, 5 to 10x the volume you would have expected of the average prior. All of a sudden, all concentrated at once. So this is why you get this flash crash. And then immediately, you almost get that same volume being bought right back up. Uh, 725, like this pause, like this, oh, crap. 725, and then 1.6, 1.5, and then you kind of go right back to equilibrium volume here, which is like nothing. So really interesting to see how this was probably as simple as a big whale, for whatever reason, uh, dump, liquidations, boom. Boring. Rest of the day, it's literally flat boring that's mm. it so so that works out to be about 300 million at fifty thousand. that's how much it takes yeah it makes but sense it looks, but that's it looks like leading up to that point there there were you know five ten million at a time and then there was a five minute span where just dump it all yeah and i mean think about it 300 million dollars like you've got hedge funds that have tens of billions of dollars under management like what do you who knows jeremy don't you know what what, what is micro uh what is it micro strategy or whatever how much do they have you know i mean they're, they're was, funds that easily have billions of dollars in cryptocurrency or look at even um 
Well, the whole market cap's like two two trillion dollars. I don't I don't see MicroStrategy doing that though. I don't think Michael Saylor would ever sell anything. No, no, no. no. I, I'm, I'm more just saying like if Michael Saylor has this amount of money, think about like the GBTC or all the big pension funds or J.P. Morgan uh, or all these fair, companies that just have the money to trade with, right? I, I don't think they can though. I think there that would be no, no. no. But I, th I think the point is that there are so many institutions out there that have ten times that just at their disposal, right, sure. and we're talking right, about. Sure. Tenth, a tenth sure. of what one company has has the power to do that, and I mean we have to consider too, how many private individuals do you think are out there with hundreds of million or even even a billion dollars of Bitcoin that just are um, you'd have no idea that are quiet about it, they're stealth wealth they've been holding on for a while, and they're just secretly you know just having Bitcoin on the side. I, I bet pretty. that's probably more common than than you would think. I think the the real crazy price action will happen once Bitcoin uh, will become compliant, right? And all those hedge funds can start investing and speculating in Bitcoin. Don't then that would be crazy. Not to the degree that I think that would would allow them to be, if oh, okay. if if Bitcoin was you know energy compliant like Elon's trying to make it be. All right. Mm. Wow. Yeah, well, hey, you know, little buy the dip opportunity there. Yeah, I, but I agree with you, Graham. I don't think uh, the crypto's going anywhere. I think 2022 is going to be a great year for crypto. Um, but yeah, hey, wow. The crazy, I thought, crazy day. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Uh, El Salvador, uh, with their president, immediately tweeted that he bought the dip. He bought that was 150 great. Bitcoin as the dip. I thought that 150. Was, wow. 150 Bitcoin is the, yeah. With personally or the state's money? Their money, El Salvador's money, okay. right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that would be wild if if he personally <laughs> is like eh, just bought the dip. Guy. Just bought the dip, one hundred fifty bitcoin. <laughs> Wait, actually, it's both. It's his money, but it was the country's oh. money. <laughs> <laughs> right. <No more. laughs> imagine, imagine if El Salvador is now just like trading bitcoin, like just sold, about to crash any minute now. <laughs> I could see that countries becoming the whales in the future. That would be, yeah. Oh my gosh! Imagine that they give their their own price targets, going to a hundred k. Well, you know what? The that would cause a lot of their uh, citizens just not to buy anything because every citizen would be like, "My Bitcoin is going to be worth more, so I better not buy that uh, buy that item that I desperately need. It's better to wait a little bit." Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to buy that bread today. <laughs> I don't need to eat this week. Uh, it's gonna Bitcoin's going to the moon. I'd rather just keep it. I'd rather just buy Tattooed Chef. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's not let's not mention legit companies in with these little <laughs> crypto coins. Okay, let's just oh. stay away from that. Let's the not, condescending let's not boomer returns. <laughs> let's not uh, listen. I'm in Arizona. I'm peaceful. I got the golf course behind me with the pool. Okay, I'm trying to be peaceful. I'm hearing you guys debate about these these little things your little tokens your little uh your little uh what do you call it peter piper pizza your little yeah, piper pizza tokens. Chuck, e. Cheese chuck e cheese tokens <laughs> yeah save big money on your outdoor project now at menards we have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat right now all fvp lawn and garden and marine batteries are on sale through may 5th Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards.
Your, hey, your Chuck Terry's tokens. How many Voyager people. tokens do you have? Yo. <laughs> Just under 30,000. Just under 30,000. So what's interesting yeah. is you get like, I want to say 1.5% extra yield on your deposit. That's incredible. Yeah, that's the one good thing. Like if 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 you actually have uh, substantial amounts of Bitcoin, it almost is a no brainer to just buy 20,000 Voyager and get all that extra interest. Like yeah, if 20,000 Voyager is what? $60,000? How many? Yeah, probably 80,000. I, I mean, I don't know. The price moves around so much. Let's say it's let's say it's three bucks. Um, you know, so you're at like, uh, what, 60,000. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, if it's at $4, you're at 80,000 and then imagine you got a million or 2 million Bitcoin or, or whatever. I was, thinking, I was thinking about doing that. I, I actually really want to do that. I want to buy the 20,000 and then get up that extra 1.5. And I think what would that be? 7.1% yield. Something like that. Yeah. And I mean, if you compare what you get on Bitcoin yield, if you own, the Voyager there, like you're not going to get that anywhere else from what I've seen yeah. out there. So that that's the bullish case for VGX long term is basically folks like yourself, Andre, that have substantial amounts in Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, just saying, hey, like, you know, if I'm going to make a bunch of extra interest, why would I not? Um, and then if we're talking about the scenario where it's institutions ever start thinking like you imagine the institution that has 50 mil, 100 mil, if they can get interest on that. If it's only a half a percent more, that's yeah. crazy money, right? They're, Never mind. They're, they're either they're either gonna bankrupt Voyager or Voyager's <laughs> gonna give us like 0.5% interest rates. It, <laughs> yeah, that, that could definitely happen. And then much, there's still there's still a question you get into where where's the money being lent? That's the question. If you have all this VGX, why are you not putting at least a hundred K into Bitcoin? Like it's a no-brainer for you at this point. Um, I'm invested what I need to be invested. Let's put it that <laughs> I don't uh, want to hold too many Chuck E. Cheese tokens. How much, <laughs> how much do you need in Voyager to get the interest rate boost? Twenty uh, k. I think it's five thousand, ten thousand, and twenty thousand coins. I think are the three tiers. So twenty thousand is the most. So if you have twenty thousand, that's when you really get the the big bump up there. And then you also get interest on your Voyager as well, which I I mean it moves around. I think you get like seven percent. Jeremy sounds like Kevin seems skeptical. Kevin, what's your what's your uh, what's your thoughts on this? I think this is boring. <laughs> like, who cares? You guys are getting interest on your coins and all this. Like Graham says, it'll be gone next year. Think big. Go YOLO on something. Like, uh, like go make an investment. Buy some Enphase. Buy some Tesla. Get into get into that tattoo chef real <laughs> hardcore if you believe it so hard. I don't care about your stupid dividends. Boring. Oh my gosh. Hey, I hey, love how hey, we all hey, have hey. our own little assets that we're pumping. We're like, no, Bitcoin, no TTC, no Tesla. <laughs> and Kevin, are you buying, you're buying more Enphase? Hippo. Right now? Hippo. Hungry hippo. <laughs> are you buying uh, more uh, Enphase, Kevin? I. I I am ready to. I haven't said this, but I it, like one of these days I'm going to drop seven figures on it because, like, I'm just staring at this cash, and out of everything, it's one of my faves right now because they once the chip shortage starts subsiding, which I think it will in Q1, Q2, 2022, uh, which is so I think there's going to be some dip opportunity between here and there. Uh, they're going to like two to three x the amount of revenue they get just because they have so much pent up demand. 
they're saying it in their earnings calls already. Like we're we're only doing two million right now. We could be doing six with the pipeline we have, and all we need is the freaking order to come in. Uh, so I, uh, you know, I think the chip shortage is really kind of keeping a, a a boot on the neck of uh, of Enphase, and so uh, as an energy a green transition, high quality uh, competitor to Tesla in the energy space. That's I'm that's boring. Three X. That's lame. Generally, I'm all about I'm all about that 10x. Uh, <laughs> wait, Fair. give me the uh, what, what's the risk with VGX with the with the token? Because I know you have a bunch. Well, like what's the what's the bear scenario for it? The the bear scenario is um, Voyager the platform fails. Like it's not interesting, yeah. right? Like people are like, I don't want to be on Voyager. They all leave Voyager. Um, it, they it's just a bad platform, and they have trouble competing. They can't become more than that. And then people are like, Why do I need to own VGX coins? And then the bull thesis around VGX starts to fall apart. Um, and so that would be worst case scenario. I think would ultimately yeah. be if Voyager is successful long term, more than likely VGX is going to be highly yeah. successful. How is VGX not classified as a security? How are they not regulating that? What do you, what do you I, mean? Because it's a VGX is a crypto. It used to be, um, oh, what, what what was VGX? Yeah, it used but to it kind of reminds me of like shares, like digital shares of their company that they've kind of issued. I mean, it might as well be. Yeah. So, yeah, and I know this is a little different concept because most cryptos don't actually do anything and VGX is actually doing something. So it's a little confusing. I can understand that, um, you know, versus these other ones. But yeah, in, in terms of it, it it, it makes sense. It's like, you know, uh, VGX is its own crypto, which you get a rewards program for. And I think this is honestly, if you're talking about actual real world applications, I think this is definitely potential for other companies um, coming out with more of their own cryptos and things like that over time and having the rewards programs actually done with cryptos rather than a lot of the traditional ways. So, um, but I mean, Voyager, there's also Voyager stock you could buy if you want to believe in, in, you know, uh, Voyager long-term as well. It's just, um, I almost feel like Voyager, VGX token has more upside than Voyager stock. Like, let's say Voyager becomes this big thing, like a big brokerage over the next five, 10 years, right? Voyager stock should increase exponentially from here, but I think VGX would increase more rapidly because I think that would mean more than likely that rewards program in, in the way cryptos are valued. You look at the way cryptos are valued, just like, you know, Did you just stock. say that crypto and VGX is going to be more valued than the stock version of VGX? I, I think so. If, if, <laughs> yeah, if, as long as it's a really big success, I yeah, think so. If, I, crypto, because cryptos, you can throw any fine. It could happen. Yeah, I mean, because crypto, you can throw any valuation on it. Stocks, there's like limits, right? And then if you get too high, people are like, oh, no, that's way too high. Crypto, it's like, dude, Bitcoin could be at 50 trillion tomorrow and you guys would still be buying it left and left and right. You know, <laughs> you, you don't know any better. So anyway, at that point, you wouldn't need to buy it. At that point, you don't sell it. You don't you just use it. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. You guys would still be buying the dip. You're like, it's down to 40 trillion market cap today. You want know, oh, such a good deal. Well, considering we'd be billionaires, you might be right. Oh, <laughs> oh. What's worth noting, though, is uh, I think you're hanging a lot of your your ambition for Voyager on uh, their ability to attract and retain customers, which they can do while they're promising these higher rates. But as soon as uh, those rates go down, as uh, as uh, Graham has alluded to. Andre's going to transfer his money, and so are a ton of other people, right to the next uh, broker who's who's paying the higher rate, right? So it almost kind of feels like you've got this 
this like crowd looking for yields and it's just there's no there's no loyalty it's it's yield loyalty and i'm not blaming you at all like do it andre right it's like why why would you not do it right you're voting with with your money as you should you should go where you're going to make the most so it's just you got this army of okay now we're going to go to block okay now we're going to go to voyager and then next you're going to go to a different one whether it's kraken or celsius or there's going to be some new one uh, and then jp morgan's going to go no no no, come to us uh bundle all of your accounts with us and we'll give you four percent on your crypto and then oh my gosh jp morgan's doing it and then all of a sudden you've got all the jp morgan chase credit cards you know and then the next place you're going to do it. it's Ride literally the, the same thing that happened with the the bank savings accounts like, uh, you know, Yada Bank's going to be hot for a period of time. Then it's going to be that bank and that bank and that bank. It's just all like this game of customer acquisition. How many can you retain after you drop rates? And there's your true value. <laughs> you you, you right, got to right. it's it, you're, you're 100% right. And in my personal opinion, Kevin, it's an arms race. And I think the ones that can build out other services and products that make you say, it's too much of a hassle to switch to another brokerage. I think those would be the ones that win. Um, and I'm hoping Voyager can do that. If they can't do that, then my investment will will not be a huge payer. It can still be successful, but it just won't be a huge payer, right? Because um, it's an arms race. We're watching it across the big banks. They're all trying to get into everything. Like everybody wants to be in everything. Everybody wants to be a crypto brokerage, stock brokerage, savings account, debit card, credit cards. It seems like every single person is in this industry is trying to get there. And it's an arms race. You're 100% right. There'll be consolidation. I think we talked about that a little bit uh, last week. I wouldn't be surprised if Voyager ends up getting bought out maybe at some point from like a, a Coinbase or somebody like that, right? That's much bigger and could pick them up. I would say, I don't know. I feel like they at that point, they would just beat them with rates. They just drive them out of business. You know, and Graham, no, this happens in all types of industries. A lot of times it's way more costly to try to put somebody out of business. And remember, when you're the bigger company, you go out of business faster than the little company in a lot of these situations. So for instance, Lyft and Uber, this is a really good example for anybody who wants to learn something here today. Uber and Lyft, they had a, a phenomenal battle. And what was interesting is Lyft would undercut Uber essentially when it came to prices. Now you might think, um, you know, Lyft would get hurt more in the situation. No, because Uber was doing way more volume that Lyft was like, you know, call, if you're wondering why Uber used to lose a fortune, it's because Lyft was undercutting them, taking market share, coming up in the game. And then Uber would, if, if Uber tried to compete everywhere that Lyft was trying to compete, they would have gone out of business because they had way more volume. So if they're losing a dollar or $2 or $3 per ride, right? And Uber's doing far more rides than Lyft. That puts Uber in a really bad scenario, right? So I'm just saying, like sometimes, a lot of times, it makes sense just to acquire a company and just say, you know what, but, we'll buy you out. I mean, just to counter that, in in this analogy of Uber being such this larger company or whatever, it, it would also stand within reason to believe that Uber could raise capital faster uh, than than a smaller company could that would have more risk uh, at a more attractive interest rate allowing them to compete longer. So maybe, maybe it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's the case where the bigger guy will, will, but a lot of times what I've found is a lot of times who might be supporting Lyft is also who's supporting Uber. So you get into these weird scenarios where the VCs are, are in these same circles and sometimes the same investor in both companies and it gets, it gets weird. And then it's like, okay, what, what do you do here? And so now Lyft and Uber have pretty much given up their, their market share battle to, uh, you know, for folks out there. Now what you're seeing is rides are getting exponentially more expensive than they used to be for various reasons, but also those companies don't care about market share. Uber has their market share, Lyft has their market share. Now they're like, let's start making some dang money. Hmm. 
So, you know, that once, once you, once you kind of have established yourself, then the profits can come in in a major way. Right. So, um, you know, Speaking any profits, uh, last week, I don't remember if I mentioned it last week, but, uh, a friend of mine's just sold one of these NFTs for 600 Ethereum. Uh, I just sent it to you, Kevin. So if you want to show wow. that. 600 um, Ethereum, geez. $2.4 million. It's uh, NFT, NFT uh, that <laughs> the Board Ape Yacht Club, which I actually don't know anything about, but it's crazy. What, and sorry, you said they sold it for 600 Ethereum. And, and would they make it or what? Do you see it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, <clears throat> Did they like draw it or what's so special about it? That's a great question. I feel like this is the next rich person flex. It's just like, hey, what do you have? <laughs> I have this picture of an, a golden ape for two points. Oh, there's no layout for it. Board Ape Yacht Club. That's right. The NFT sells for record 2.25. And this is a friend of yours. At Sotheby's. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty yeah. big that Sotheby's is uh, doing this. Yes. Well, I mean, think about it. You got to attract millennials. No millennial gives a crap about Sotheby's or did a year ago. Right. Like, ask, do a survey on Instagram or TikTok. Do you know about Sotheby's a year ago? And sure. I bet you 99% of people under 25 are like, who? Or like, maybe, maybe you'd get the real estate brokerage. Who's going to say the auction house who's under 25, right? Now they're in NFTs. Smart. Now you're finally hip with the young people. Right. Smart. It's... Yeah, scroll down. What does it have? Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. Look at that. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah, I don't know what it's other JPEG. He got ripped off. It's just a JPEG. <laughs> oh, he Hold sold on. it. He didn't he didn't buy it. He sold it. I'm going to I'm going to how do I save this? Save. Oh, wait, I know. <laughs> Let's screenshot it. There we go. There we go. Boom. <laughs> See Here's what That's I like the equivalent of me drawing a Mona Lisa on my See, on a napkin and being like, "Yo, check this out! I got her right here. It's framed." But here's what I like partially don't get: is that people are making these or like their profile pictures and stuff like that. How is that any different from Kevin taking a screenshot and making that his profile picture? I mean, yeah, I'm you doing it right now. See, he's not. He's not <laughs> the. Uh, how? No, but how is that any different than saying like the Pokemon cards we have can't just be printed on a printer and displayed? Like it's the same thing. Yeah, but as a profile picture, you're not going to click a profile picture and that's going to take you to your like ETH address. Yeah, but, but these could. NFTs, they have like a QR code you could scan and just. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there are ways to authenticate them. So. Who cares? <laughs> 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 buy more tesla who cares i haven't bought tesla in such a long time i feel so bad about that yeah it's because it's not an all-time high kevin don't worry when it'll, hit all <laughs> high, it'll be going all in just like that when it hits 29 it'll break the 24 just jelly i made so much money going up and down with ttcf and selling at the peaks <laughs> uh, kevin what do you think about elon musk today saying that it could be worth three thousand a share there we go uh, nice. Elon Musk said what? That it could be worth 3000 a share. That's why it went up so much today. Tesla? He said that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, by yeah, what that's year? That's why immediately it opened. It, it jumped up like 3%. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, I had no idea he said. There we go. I just yeah. wanted to change the exposure there on my, uh, oh, my eighth there. How much was, Kevin, how much was that? <laughs> Kevin. You know, this right here was about 30 seconds of effort. <laughs> uh, I wish I had a but, printer right here that I could print a stock of, like, Tesla and be like, look, I have a share of Tesla. Look at me. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, you know, hey. You know, that's that's two point two five million right there. So I don't know if you could say that with the share of Tesla yet. You know, maybe one. Day. <laughs> so uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that about the three thousand. I mean, uh, I'd be curious. The big piece of the puzzle there is is when uh, what what the date was. You know, if he's like, I think it'd be worth three thousand dollars a share in two years versus in 20 years. That's obviously a big difference. <laughs> sure. I'll find out. Uh, Actually, somebody yeah. brought up a good point uh, that that the reason that people really get into NFTs besides that they're highly speculative and they make a lot of money is that it's it's a kind of a bulletproof way of buying more crypto without going through fiat. So, you know, if you don't want to have the IRS kind of track your every move and if you want to buy more crypto, a good way of doing that is, you know, trading NFTs for more crypto. So without oh. having to deposit it. Yeah. Oh, so Elon said he told he told employees that he agrees with Ark Invest that Tesla is worth three thousand dollars a share if they execute really well. In other words, if the employees execute really well. So he was using it as like motivation to the employees who get partially paid in Tesla stock, right? Like, right. hey, this is worth three k a share by twenty twenty five. We just have to get off our butts. Kind of interesting. A little salesy. More so than I think, right. fundamentally driven, right? That <laughs> this is like this is hype, right? It's like yeah. huddle up, everyone. We're gonna <laughs> go win the Super Bowl. We're we're worth it. We're worth the trophy. You know, it's. It, I don't think it's anything more than that. But okay, that's interesting. But anyway, Andre, I have no idea what you're saying. I don't understand what this means. Like you could buy more crypto without the fee. I, I don't get that. Okay, you buy an NFT, it appreciates in value. You sell it for more crypto. Boom. Okay, so you're just saying, but I mean, like, I could also buy crypto and have crypto appreciation. Yeah, through fiat, if you want to pay more taxes and if you want records Wh of it. Why through fiat? Because you have to deposit fiat to buy crypto. Okay, but if I, I mean, I deposit fiat to buy the NFT, right? No, you could buy it with crypto. So, okay, so so what you're saying is, I've, I already have 100 grand in Bitcoin right now. Correct. Uh, I, I could use that to go speculate on on an artwork or whatever or piece of art or whatever and, and you think there are tax benefits to speculating on on like okay. collectible or what let's just say that i bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of bitcoin it appreciates to half a million right now i have yeah. an excess of four hundred thousand which i could use to buy this board ape yacht club nft so this yeah. nft triples in value to two million dollars i could then go back to bitcoin and i've tripled quadrupled my position without going through fiat yep but you should still pay taxes when you right right I, I agree with you i'm not saying you shouldn't i'm just saying for a well, lot you're of just saying people, you don't right now what are you saying you don't have to pay taxes right now no no no. i'm just saying that for people that use this as as a vehicle to increase their fiat position they do that without going through the fiat route which for them might make sense i'm not saying that wait, wait, you should wait, 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 how would that be any different from changing Bitcoin to Cardano. Cardano triples, you put it back to Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, I just think NFTs have a, a higher, I guess, a speculative uh, outcome. You could make more money with them if you know how to get into them. I see. Oh, okay. They're more volatile. Right. So, so you're saying, I mean, 
the risk reward profile is much larger in the NFTs where, hey, Correct. more risk. You can I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not saying I'm doing this. I'm just saying for a lot of people that makes sense if they're dealing with millions of dollars that they don't want to be, maybe pay taxes on or go through fiat. Mm. But they would still pay. Wouldn't they still pay tax if they get if they move Bitcoin, let's say, to Ethereum or Ethereum to a NFT? back to ethereum wouldn't that no because a lot of these nft platforms they're just DeFi platforms they're they're not connected through the traditional exchanges hmm. so what so, you're saying is yeah. if i have uh a thousand ethereum and and it just appreciated to where if i sold it i'd have to pay i don't know millions of dollars in taxes or whatever uh i could just take my ethereum buy a, a, an nft that's worth, uh, you know, I don't know, whatever, um, uh, X Ethereum is, is my ownership still denominated in ETH then, or, or did I technically liquidate the Ethereum to buy it? Because as soon as you okay. liquidate, you I'll, should I'll put it in really simple terms, money laundering. <laughs> Does that make more sense? <laughs> okay. I'll okay. leave it at that. <laughs> yes. See, I'm not saying you should do this, but people do this. Yes. I, I can definitely see the allure of NFTs, especially to a lot of folks that have been in crypto for a while, because you think about it from that context. Like, imagine you're somebody that, you know, for the past decade, five, let's say five or 10 years, right? You've been investing in cryptos, Bitcoin, Ethereum, whatever, right? You've been making a ton of money with those, right? Those were seen as pretty much the riskiest assets you could pretty much be in, right? Now, all of a sudden, these NFTs start coming out. And now that's the new riskiest asset. And so if you're somebody like that, you're looking at this and you're like, I want to be in the next biggest possibility, which is these NFTs, right? And so you're like, let me swap out some Ethereum or some Bitcoin or whatever and go ahead and buy these NFTs. And so I see the allure from that group of individuals that have made a lot in crypto and are looking for the next riskiest thing because this is this is like another level up of risk, right? Hmm. Where, yeah, um, yeah so, so from that standpoint, I can I can understand it. Yeah, people gravitate towards volatility. Hey, you want to hear about another scam? I, I mean, uh, do you want to hear about a scam? <laughs> Please. Sorry, Andre. <laughs> I don't understand why you're talking to me as though I'm doing this. I'm just trying yeah, to no, 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 really sorry. how this stuff works. You guys are amateurs, <laughs> and I'm trying to explain it to grandpa and grandpa. <laughs> okay, okay. You guys are pinning it on me like, Andre, what's your next strategy? This is not anything <laughs> I do. I'm just explaining to you guys how this stuff works sometimes. Okay, let me remove your name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Correct the record there. No, you boomers. No. <laughs> Be hey, nice to the governor. Be nice. I got I got 2.25 million dollars right here <laughs> for free. <laughs> oh, okay. Gosh. So, listen to this. <laughs> I, uh, so I buy this house, uh, I'm in escrow on this place. This, we talked about this last week as fixer upper. And one of the reasons I'm buying it is because like, it looks like crap, but it's got a new air conditioning and uh, a new roof and it's got uh, new ductwork and dual paned windows and all this stuff. And so I'm like, great. It looks like crap. It's got all these upgrades. That's like the definition of getting a good deal in real estate, right? Well, uh, I get the title report today because we're supposed to close soon. I open up the title report, and in the title report, I'm like, what the heck is this? $89,000 slapped onto the property taxes owed for the property 
for financed improvements, including a $29,000 air conditioner. I kid you not, $29,000 for an air conditioner and $28,000 for a roof. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you spend that much money on this small property? And uh, basically, this, this lady, just the seller, overpaid dramatically for for these Im improvements that are supposed to be energy upgrades. She's told she doesn't have to make any payments on these because it'll be incorporated in her property taxes and that she's not getting a loan. Her house is getting a loan. Now she gets a bill for like another $800 a month or whatever. Now she's selling the house and they sold the house to me with new AC, roof, all this stuff advertised, right? I get the title report. I go, wait, you want me to take over all the payments? That's like charging me once for the upgrade to buy the house and then charging me again, <laughs> making me make your payments for the crap oh, you bought. Wait, Kevin, this is, this is the deal that you talked about getting your offer accepted as a wedge deal. This is like yep. a week or two ago, right? Yeah. Yep. I wondered about that. I remember saying like, wait a second, how are you able to get this deal? I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, like you get deals like this, all like good deals all the time. This one just happened to have a shady title report. So uh, we'll see. We're, we're telling them, look, we ain't buying it unless you pay off that $89,000 or whatever in loans. It's I'm not, it's not my job to take over your debt. You pay off your debt, your home equity line of credit, your judgment because you got sued and lost, and you pay off your other debts because it ain't my responsibility, and I certainly ain't going to pay it. So if they pay all that stuff off, hey, good for me. Then, then uh, you know, we're back to the good deal we thought we had. <laughs> It'll take like three lifetimes to break even on those air conditioners. It's so insane. They sell it as like, oh, well, you're going to get an energy-efficient furnace or an air conditioner. You're so right. It's like the, the break-even is is – like you said, a lifetime. It's so dumb, man. It's, well, it's Kevin. And here's the, here's a point you're not even thinking about uh, when we come when it comes to like how dumb this is, right? Uh, hold on, wait, what? Anybody talking? It cut there oh, for a second. It's I don't hard. know. It cut out for a second there. I'm sorry. So, anyways, uh, here's why it's so dumb. Because you think about it, right? Spend all that money on air conditioners. Why not buy NFTs of air conditioners? They go up exponentially <laughs> in value, and an NFT of the house, and you're like. Make a billion dollars. So, What's even better is that uh, you can spend $1.2 million buying an NFT rock. A pet oh, rock. Yes. Yeah, that's the one Andre was saying he's going all in on. He thinks it's a super good investment that every single person watching. No, no, no. I'm going all in on TTF. <laughs> I'm floating around 16 to 24 forever. <laughs> oh, man. No, so that's a crazy story, though, Kevin. That's ridiculous, man. What, yeah. what are you going to do about that as governor of California? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, the the whole PACE program, which is what this is done under, it's supposed to be, oh, let people spend money on more energy efficient stuff. It's a complete ripoff. It's mm -hmm. literally a toxic ripoff. I made a video about this four years ago, and a bunch of PACE contractors were trolling me, calling me a fraud for exposing their fraud. Uh, like, let me give you an example, okay? I sold a house. Uh, I sold a house uh, three, four years ago for a client. And they're like, Kevin, we have to let you know. We do have a PACE loan. And I'm like, oh, what's it for? Let's figure this out. And they're like, we painted the exterior of the home. So it's like a 3,000 square foot home. They painted the exterior of it. I go, oh, 
okay, I mean, like, I'll paint the exterior of this home. It's going to be like six grand. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Like, no big deal. This is a $700,000 house. What's six grand? They're like, no, Kevin, we paid $36,000. And I'm like, well, you what? Well, you paid $36,000 for a paint job of the exterior of a $700,000 house? What? And they're like, well, Kevin, it's UV rated paint. I got, listen, I had that painted. I bought one of my duplexes, the one that uh, you and I did that thing at, that, uh, that, that day event there. And yeah, I think they paid like 10 grand to paint that with the, uh, that, that special paint. Like 10 or 10 grand. You know what I think it is? Well, the seller. The seller did. Oh my gosh. I took it over. Look, if you get it, like, and you didn't pay for it, you're getting that paint job for pennies on the dollar. You're getting, you're paying like 30 cents on the dollar for what they paid. Uh, You know, the the value of a new paint job outside is going to bump your value, you know, depending on how bad it was before. You know, versus that ten grand, what maybe three, four thousand bucks or whatever. Right. Uh, again, ten depends how bad it was. But this UV stuff, what I mean, look, if you could get it for free, basically, which I think you did, that's great. But hey, uh, maybe, a quick, maybe a it quick, comes with a QR code that you could scan as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I got I got a quick practical question for for Graham and Kevin here. Uh, do you feel like you know, let, let's say uh, in interior paint? 15, 20 years old, exterior paint, 15, 20 years old, is one of the best investments you could make if you're about to sell your house, painting the house exterior and interior, or is that not really up there? It is. Oh my gosh. A fresh paint job on the exterior and interior makes a lot. It makes the place seem new. I mean, you could have the crappiest spot, but if it's got like fresh paint, it just, it makes, it smells new. You walk in, it's like, wow, Mm, it, it, it has that, that excitement to it. Yeah. yeah, I think every place should at least have some form of a paint job inside before you sell it. Paint carpet. That's where all the money is inside. This extra UV paint, that's garbage. <laughs> you know, that's bull crap. Uh, but but look, uh, you know, in Graham's duplex case, like spend the three or four grand. It's worth it. Uh, do the inside paint. Absolutely. Paint carpet. Yeah, and, and glazing. Yes, <laughs> glaze everything. Glaze everything. No, that's super interesting. That's super practical because I think a lot of people think like, oh, maybe I'll redo this bathroom. It's kind of outdated, or let me change the countertop in the kitchen, or or new sink. And I think that's when most people think. When really, a lot of times, just throw some some nice paint up on the interior, exterior, and that could get you, um, you know, a much better presentation. That's interesting. Hey, here's an interesting question. I, I would love for us all to answer. What is the riskiest? investment we hold that that would be intriguing you can only name one what is the riskiest possible thing you hold and then what is the thing that you think has the the biggest upside potential over the next 10 years i think people would be really intrigued to hear this subject graham why don't you start us off oh gosh the the riskiest right now Mm -hmm. uh wow i mean i'm probably on topic but i would say nfts that would by far yeah, it's got to be something you personally own. Oh, yeah. What's what's the risk you own? Yeah. <laughs> you own NFTs, Grant? <laughs> I would. I don't know. I mean, there's a few speculative stocks. Fisker was one of them. I think I had like thirty or forty thousand at Fisker. Um, that that's something. Listen, I could totally see Fisker five years from now being a two dollar stock or a seventy dollar stock. I have no clue. Uh, so I would say Fisker for me. Hmm. I feel like for Graham, wouldn't it wouldn't it be the car technically? 
I feel like that's pretty risky though. What if, what if no. you get into an accident or? It's insured. It's, ins it's, it's insured for a stated value. So right. with a car like that, we, we have agreed upon price ahead of time. It's insured for that amount. If it's something happens to it, I get that amount. That's fair. I'm not worried about it. Huh. Who's next? Kevin, Kevin, what about you? Riskiest thing you own? And then uh, what, what has the biggest upside potential over the next five, 10 years, in your opinion, of something you own? Ha. Well, they're both the same answer, <laughs> which in some sense makes sense, right? Risk, reward. Um, Tesla call options. Uh, the, the Tesla leaps I bought when they were $715. And, uh, you know, Tesla's like seven, whatever, 60 or whatever now. And, uh, and, and quite a few, uh, six out of eight of my Tesla options that I have, because I, I have a whole like ladder of them, six out of eight of them are upside down. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've only had them for what, September, five, five months, but, uh, just the theta decay and, and the impl implied volatility crush has just destroyed these options. Now this could change in a heartbeat. And that's the crazy thing about options. We could have this, this skyrocketing of Tesla over the next two months and it's a thousand dollars. Let's just say, you know, blow out delivery numbers or whatever. And it's a thousand dollars in a matter of a few weeks or a couple months. These options could be the, the biggest 10D printers ever. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, but, but they're, they're the ones that uh, are, in my opinion, the riskiest. Uh, they are uh, also the ones that could make the most money. And uh, they are also the ones that could be the most risk. Mm. Andre, what about you? Riskiest investment, my YouTube channel. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I would say publicly what people probably think is uh, my riskiest investment is probably my Pokemon cards that I recently bought. People probably assume that is a very risky one. I think three to five years from now, it'll easily double in value because I think it was significantly undervalued from what I bought at. And I didn't really tell people the price I bought at, uh, but it's lower than people think. And publicly, like actually personally, what I think is actually my most riskiest, what I would say is Omi, the crypto. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm down substantially on it. I still have it. Uh, Graham pulled out on time. I still have mine. Oh, yeah. no, I, I bought it and sold within hours. I bought into it and I yeah. realized, like, what am I doing? This is a mistake. You, no, I, you I, sold because you saw, which I did not see this, you yeah. sold a sketchy character talk about it, which yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know who this guy was. I didn't know that he was sketchy. Mm, if yeah. I had seen that, I would have pulled out too. But that doesn't mean that Omi is sketchy in general. I think they're doing good things, and I think there right. is potential, but I think it's extremely yeah. risky, and I wouldn't suggest anybody. It was that. part of so many just groups. That I, yeah, yeah, I did I not know that. that. Jumped right out and yeah. uh, put it all in Bitcoin and made it all back. So Yeah, right. Well, so, yeah, as far as biggest potential, I think Ethereum um, or, hmm. or Bitcoin. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's – I would expect, like, some fringe, like, uh, crypto. You, you yeah. said has the biggest upside because I mean, you know, Bitcoin's already up, up so big, but no, that's interesting. Okay. No, Mine, I mean like sensible investments. I don't mean like, like YOLO bets. I mean like, like sensible where you're not going to lose your shirt. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, no, just to answer you, sorry, to clarify, there's probably a 10 that we could rattle off the top of our heads that have more potential, but ah. I, would, I would never suggest that to people because I, I think it's way too risky. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, my, my riskiest would probably be either VGX or Voyager. Um, either not one tattooed. because, well, no, definitely not tattooed. 
but tattooed also isn't my biggest uh, reward potential either, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I actually think the biggest reward uh, stock I probably have is actually the planet, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that I think that one is definitely up there um, with the biggest potential. So, um, but yeah, that, that would be mine. So, mm. Graham, you want to uh, you want to take us home? Love to. So, guys, really quick before we leave, there is the Millennial Money Clips channel down below in the description. Go ahead and check it out. We're posting the best highlights right there. So, just go ahead, do that really quick, and also make sure to subscribe because uh, half the people watching, so statistically, half of you are not subscribed. It's totally free to do. Just hit the little button. We only go live once a week. Then you'll be kept up to date on all of that. And oh, then also hit the button, hit the like button. Just got to do that. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Really appreciate it. And uh, until next week. And I'm gonna keep this NFT here until somebody notices. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.